Well, good morning to y'all. So, uh, as I already mentioned, today we're going to be starting a new study in the book of Genesis. Today we have uh, the first two and a half verses. We're up a half a verse from last week. Only in two verses. So <laughs> you can read one through we, three. We might be out by might be out by one o'clock today, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you want you say you want to go all three? Yeah, one through three. Okay. So the first three verses of the uh, book of Genesis. When you find that, would you please stand for reading God's word? Okay. Genesis chapter one, beginning in verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Amen. <clears throat> Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we, uh, we do thank you again this morning. And Lord, we do look to you again asking for your help. Lord, we have your word by your grace right here before us in black and white. But Lord, we need your help to understand. We need by your spirit that you would open up our minds to receive, to show us uh, what we would otherwise miss, how these things reveal your greatness and your willingness to redeem. So, Father, uh, we pray. Cause your word, your word, which is living and powerful, cause it to have that effect in us, that we would know you better, that we would understand more about your purpose your purposes in doing what you have done. And Lord, that our hearts would be drawn to you in greater love and praise for your greatness and your great mercy toward us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Um, this is uh, both exciting and intimidating. Um, of course, you know, I hesitate. Sometimes you think in handling the Word of God that uh, some passages just seem tougher than others. But, uh, you know, I really kind of hesitate to even say that. It's all God's Word. It all has great, in fact, infinite significance and... and uh, we always need to be aware of that and, and um, approach it with fear and trembling when it comes to uh, rightly interpreting it. Um, but this is something I have wanted to do for a long time and I think is, is, uh, is needful, and that is get into some... Um, we, we spend a lot of time in the New Testament, and I'm, I think that's probably justified. It's, again, it's not that Genesis through Malachi is any less God's Word. It's not. But having the, having the whole revelation before us in written form and um, being able to go 
to to the to the end of the book, so to speak, the uh, the latter portion of the book, and see the fulfillments and you know the coming of Christ and how Christ lived and died for us and rose again and is ascended into uh, glory with the Father and so on. I think is is just natural. And besides, we we need we need to do that so that when we do this, so that when we look back on the Old Testament, we can see it in the right light in the right perspective. Uh, but this is also needed. Um, again, it's all God's Word, God's revelation to us. Now, I'm going to kind of use, a, a, over these next few sermons, next few Sundays, kind of use a basic um, outline here as we walk through Genesis 1 and 2. And so it, that'll pretty much be this, first God and then creation and then Man, and then uh, too we might talk about um, a little more about Christ in in the beginning. At, of course, I'm going to be talking some about that today, but but we may go into that a little deeper. We'll we'll see. But today, our mainly our and that's that's why just the uh, two and a half verses or two and a quarter verses or whatever it is, I, I put an A on the on the uh, end of the three there, you see, because you'll see why in a moment, but I've got to focus in a little bit on the first part of chapter three because that's important. But so our, for today, our main, our main purpose is just focusing in on the true God, um, the maker of all things uh, at the beginning, all right? So let's just kind of dive into that. Um, I will... Uh, I want to give you at least a. I, I was looking at a couple different quotes, and I'm going to give you one or two here um, that I thought might be helpful, just by helpful just by way of introduction. So this one's coming from the NIV Zondervan Zondervan NIV Study Bible. Just a little paragraph here, which says this about Genesis one one through two twenty five. The opening chapters of Genesis contain two complementary descriptions of creation. And as I said, Lord willing, we'll talk more about that later. But he goes on. One panoramic, one close up. The first creation account, which is Genesis 1, 1 through chapter 2, verse 3, describes God as the creator of the universe and all life in it. The second account, which is Genesis 2, 4 through 25, focuses on God's creation of the man and woman and their home. The more general creation of the world of the world is followed by the more specific focus on the first man and woman. The term account in Genesis 2-4 suggests that the creation accounts are related to the accounts of the lines of Cain and Seth in Genesis chapters 4 and 5, and of Noah's sons in Genesis chapters 10 through 11. In each case, the accounts appear as a pair where the second account tends to zoom in on a specific line and move the story forward. So what what they're trying to do here is is help us see a pattern that they're saying uh, they, they believe also occurs here in Genesis 1 and 2. So, so you've got more of a, of a big picture creation account in chapter 1, or to be more precise. Um, and this is one of those odd places where uh, uh, the, the, 
the chapter division is is not right, but um, uh, that's what we have anyway. So so you look the the first account is basically one one through two three, and then really that would seem to be more a logic more logical chapter break right there. Uh, so two four should be two one, but but anyway, it's not so. So uh, that's the first account, and then and then from verse four on, chapter two, verse four on down uh, to twenty five uh, is the is the zoomed out or, or zoomed in rather zoomed in account where the focus shifts from the from the whole universe, the perspective of God creating all things, and and zeroes in more uh, on uh, the man and the woman and the garden where where God placed them. Okay, so that's just something to keep in mind as we go. But again, today, as I said, our uh, our main focus is going to be on the beginning and God in the beginning. So I would just kind of sum up the 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 main point for today um, this way. And 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 uh, well, let me rephrase that because this is more than just the main point for today. It is the main point for today. But, but uh, this is actually the, uh, the main point of the narrative as it goes on here. But the main point being this. The point of the creation narrative is to declare to us that the God of the Bible is the only God. It's pretty simple, isn't it? And, and you know from talking to people um, that there are stories of the origin of creation that date back to ancient times. Now, I know... In, in our in our day, we, we typically just think of two. We, we say, okay, there's the biblical version, and then there's the Darwinian version. Actually, there are a lot more versions than that, but those are, those are usually the only two that we're confronted with and that we, uh, that we think about. But take yourself back in time, the best you can in your imagination, to, to the time of Moses. They didn't know anything about Darwin. But they had lots of other gods, false gods, and things that, you know, things that they worshipped as God. And lots of other stories about the origin of different things and who controlled the different things. So you, God of the sun, God of the moon, God of the sea, God of the land. And then, and then you even had uh, various gods for different areas of land. So what the narrative of the Genesis account does is essentially do away with all of those without even mentioning them. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, and by the way, Moses, the reason I said take yourself back in your imagination to the time of Moses because Moses is the author here. He's the one who wrote these things uh, and is writing them for the, for the children of Israel primarily. So he's the one putting them down uh, as record. So what happens here is Moses writes the true account of what really happened and how things came into being. And in doing that, he just kind of does away with all of the false notions. Um, Again, without addressing them specifically, if you talk about, just, just for example... If you teach, as Genesis does here, that the sun was created by 
Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the God of the, the Hebrews at this time, then you have automatically um, discounted the idea that there was some special God of the Son, you know, or that, or that the Son itself was a God. No, it's, it's a created thing. Just, just one of, uh, of a vast universe created by a true and living God. So that's the message of the Genesis creation narrative, that there's only one true God. I would say that's the main message, okay? Um, it's, it's not so much to get us focusing in on creation, although there's, you know, certain profit to uh, studying creation, learning about creation, but it is to get us to focus in on the God who created the God of creation. So let's just do it this way. I said we'll just dive in, so let's just go back to verse 1. Um, and uh, the first thing here is uh, this phrase, the beginning. The beginning. And I would kind of paraphrase that this way. In other words, what are we talking about by the beginning? It's when all things that have a beginning... Began. This beginning, this beginning that you see in Genesis 1, Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, what is Moses referring to? Is he talking about the beginning of the nation of Israel? Is he talking about, um, I don't know, the beginning of uh, written history or, or something like that? What, what beginning is he talking about? He's talking about the beginning. The beginning in which all things that had a beginning began. Or you could say the beginning in which all things that are, all things that exist, have their origin. It's it's all traceable back to one point. And I would say one point in time, but this is where time began. <laughs> so so I guess you could call it a point in time, but this is where time itself, at least as we know it, uh, time and space has its Origin. Now, let me let me say this too, because I'm not going to, you know, be getting into all kinds of uh, um, theories and refutations of theories. Uh, my, my approach here is going to be basically the same as Moses' approach, um, since I'm since I'm trying to uh, exegete his writing, uh, and that is this: um, some things are assumed to be true. So. Um, just for example, I'm uh, getting a little ahead of myself here, but just for example, God is assumed in the Genesis account. You notice that Moses doesn't introduce him. He doesn't, he doesn't give a, a, an, an explanation, an introduction, an, an apologetic account. You know, uh, here's, here's all about God. Here's what God is. Here's God and so forth. He just no. He just in the beginning, God. I mean, God. The existence of God is assumed, and I think it's always. And I know some people will find fault with this, mainly our our opponents. But there's a safeness about just staying with truth and just proclaiming the truth for what it is. And I like apologetics, so I don't mind 
somebody arguing for the existence of God. Uh, that's, that's the discipline of, a, of apologetics, and, and, and I enjoy that. I enjoy listening to guys who are really good at it. It's good and all that. But it's not totally necessary, um, I guess would be the way to say it. In other words, you, you, it's, it's safe to just act as though God is and to just work with that assumption. The reason it's safe is because it's true. Uh, assumptions like that aren't always safe. In this case, it's safe. It's safe because it's true. And so we, we can just start there like Moses did, and then we can just proceed on that basis. Because for one reason, you will not convince an unbeliever that God exists. God does that. And again, I'm not against making the argument, but ultimately, you, you will not be able to um, convince somebody by your, uh, by your argument. God does that when He makes Himself known to them. Same way that you and I became convinced. So, um, back to the, the first one. As I said, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's just, just kind of an example. But this beginning uh, is the beginning of all things except God. Right? But we are talking about the beginning of everything as we know it, other than God. Again, he's, He stands out separate from this beginning uh, as the creator of it. But um, everything else that we know, everything else that is, whether we know it or not, has its origin here in this beginning. And this is the same beginning that John refers to in the beginning of his in his gospel, John 1.1, 1, 1, and, and it's, it's no coincidence, by the way, when, he, when John says there, in the beginning was the Word. Now, he, he's referring to Jesus as the Word. The eternal Word. The Word of God. The perfect expression of God, right? Um, the perfect uh, communication of God. And that's how he's introducing Jesus, as the eternal Word of God. And in doing that, he says... Uh, he makes the point that Jesus, or the Word, as he calls him, um, was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as I said, we, we read down a little further down there to John 1.14, and we find out that the Word that he's talking about is Jesus, because he says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten Son of the Father. So the Word is Jesus. So the way that he introduces Jesus is by saying he's the eternal Word of God who was in the beginning with God and was himself God. Now, again, no coincidence, John uses that same little phrase, in the beginning. And I say it's no coincidence because what, he, what he's wanting us to do, he's, he's, he's purposely using the line from Genesis 1-1 because he wants us to know he's talking about the same beginning. 
so that we understand that in the beginning, when all things were brought into being, think about that. (laughs) Nothing existed except God. Get to that in a moment. But nothing existed. No thing. No, no part of the universe. No angel. No person. Nothing. Nothing, because all of those things are part of the created universe. No thing existed at that point when all things were brought into existence. John wants us to know Jesus already existed. So when everything else, that that point, when everything else was brought into being, Jesus already was. Because what John is doing there is emphasizing the deity of Christ, he's, or, the, or the eternality of Christ. You know, he's not created being like you and I. He's the eternal Word of God. He's the eternal Son of God. In the beginning, He was already with God. In the beginning, He was God. In fact, John goes on to say that all things were created by Him and there wasn't anything that was made. That is, nothing was brought into being without, without Him. So this is the same beginning. It's the beginning of all things. It's that point where everything that exists can trace its origin back now, um, I'll just mention this. I may be getting a little ahead of myself here too. We're not talking really about the six days of creation yet, but I'll just throw this out because it's maybe something you want to be considering as, as you go. Um, obviously, there are different views here right, about exactly how God brought all of these things into being. And are the six days, literal six days, and all of that kind of thing. So I just, I just want to say I recognize there, there are different views here, uh, even among Christians. Uh, I'm not even talking about people outside. I'm just talking about Christians. Among Christians, there are different views. Um, but my, my approach uh, here is going to be, unless the Lord changes it, I mean, because my approach is to believe and teach what the Scripture says. But um, right now, that perspective is that um, what we're talking about here is, is a literal six days in which God brings everything that we know into being. And I'll just say this for now, and, and maybe we can talk more about it later. But um, God is able to do that because the beginning, which again is what we're, our main focus is here, the beginning is a miracle. I mean, it's it's miraculous. So I'm, I, you know, and I'm not trying to accuse everybody that has another view of wanting to take away the miracles. I don't mean to say that, but I'm just saying that I, I don't have a problem with it all happening in six literal days because God can do that. He can do that. He can do the miraculous, and and uh, he can make something brand new look like. It's not brand new. I, I presume uh, from, the, from the scriptural account that that's what he did with Adam um, and Eve. They seem to me to, be have, to have been created 
uh, as basically full-grown adults. So that perhaps if you and I had looked at Adam and Eve, we might have guessed, uh, what are they, 25 years old, 30 years old, something like that. Maybe they're 20, 18 or 20, when the truth was God made them three seconds ago. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's able to do that. He's able to do that. So that's kind of going to be the approach. But either way, either way, that aside, this is the beginning of it all. It starts here. It starts here. So that's the beginning of, of uh, that's the beginning that we're referring to. This is the beginning of all things that exist, but God. So that brings us to the second point, right? God, God, the Creator of all things, and obviously we'll be talking more about that as we move along through chapters one and two. In the beginning, God. Again, not unlike. John 1.1, 1, 1. in the beginning was the Word, which we find out was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was Jesus, but Jesus is God. He's divine. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Similarly here, in the beginning, God. So before there's anything, there's not exactly nothing. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? R.C. Sproul has a a statement that I like uh, because uh, a lot of people out there would have us believe that somehow, and this is, uh, is, they wouldn't admit to this, this is also kind of a miracle. Uh, Somehow, everything that we know came out of nothing. Spontaneously, you know, what they call spontaneous generation. So there, there was nothing and then all of a sudden there was something and nobody... They, I mean, when you take it from that point, they, they have some pretty good theories, some pretty good explanations, you know, how the something came to be what we know today. At least they sound convincing. But it's getting back prior to that that they have trouble with. How did the something get there? And Sproul has this saying that he likes to use, if ever there was a time when there was nothing... There would be nothing now. Because something doesn't come out of nothing. So if there was ever a time when there was nothing, there would be nothing now. So we know from that bit of logic, and of course from the revelation of Scripture, which is more important, but that little bit of logic lines, lines up with Scripture. We know from that bit of logic that there never was a time when there was nothing. I mean, totally. There was always something. Now, God created, and again, we'll talk more about this as we go. God created all things out of nothing, but that was Him doing it. So you've got something. You've got God. He just didn't have anything to work with. He created ex nihilo out of nothing. In fact, um, I was mentioning a moment ago how, how the, the evolutionists, the Darwinians, um, have a problem with the, you know, before the, what they, whatever they think the starting point was, whether, whether it was a Big Bang or, or whatever, um, what they cannot, you know, uh, and don't want to talk about is how that something that, that, that caused that came into being. 
And uh, Sproul used to, uh, Sproul talks about his email exchanges over the years with Carl Sagan, um, who was an atheistic Darwinian, you know, had the, had the show Cosmos. And he, he asked him, you know, of course, about that bluntly. Because um, if I remember correctly, he had adopted some form of the Big Bang Theory. And so he, he had the explanation of the bang and then everything after that. So Sproul asked, raised the question, uh, you know, where did that material, the material that caused the bang, where did that come from? And, and he just, he just uh, I guess honestly said, uh, you know, we don't, uh, we don't talk about that. We don't know. We don't, we don't know about that. We don't talk about that. Well, the Bible does talk about that. God existed before anything else. And He always existed. Again, there, in, in, in the ultimate sense, if you, mean, if you mean no thing including God, then there never was a time when there was nothing. God always existed. And God brought everything else into being. Now, I should say this too, because uh, I'm, I'm try, trying to, of course, place that emphasis uh, on Him right now, and we'll hopefully continue to do so, because He's the central figure here. He's the star. He's the main character in this narrative. God. I mean, we, we talk about it being the, the, the creation narrative, which is true. But the central figure here is not creation. It is the Creator who's bringing all of these things into existence. God is the central figure. The creation narrative, like all of Genesis and all of the Bible, is about God. And it's about His power and His grace. He is the Creator and sustainer and the goal of all things. All things. He's the creator, sustainer, and goal of all things. So, um, he's the proper starting point. If, if, in other words, if you, if you want to understand the universe, I know that may sound kind of lofty, but... But I, really kind of what I'm getting at is some pretty basic questions like, why are we here? You know, where did we come from? Why are we here? Where's all this going? Pretty basic questions, right? And if, if you want to understand those things, and I think, um, I don't know if it's fair to say most people do, but I think a lot of people do. Hopefully most people do. If you want to understand those things, you, you, the starting point has to be God. That's the beginning of all wisdom. That's the beginning of all knowledge. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. To, to know Him. The knowledge of the holy. That's, that's the beginning of all wisdom. The beginning of all knowledge. He is the proper starting point. So that's where the Bible starts us. In the beginning, God. Now, here are just a few uh, characteristics. Some of these are, are uh, well, I'll say it this way. They're not, it's not, you might, I'm, I'm going to give you four things here, and you might say, well, they're not, they're not explicitly taught here in Genesis 1 and 2. Perhaps not, but they're hinted at. And then the Bible 
unpacks them as it goes. But, but here's one thing, and I've already mentioned this. God is unique. That is, there's no one else like Him. God is unique and separate. Or uh, we like to say when we talk about God's holiness that He is other than. Well, we need to always keep that in mind in, in relation to, um, well, God in relation to anything. But, you know, God in relation to creation. He's, he's not part of it. He transcends everything. Every, everything that we know. Everything about our reality. Our whole space-time reality that you and I are confined to and, and it's all that we know. God transcends all of that. He's, he's not part of creation. He stands out of it and above it as the Maker, the Creator. So that's, that's taught here, like I say, perhaps uh, not as explicitly as I just tried to state it, but uh, certainly when you've got a statement like, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and, and then you've got a record of Him bringing all things in, into being, the logical conclusion is He's greater than all. If He brought everything else into being, then He's greater than everything else. It was all brought into being by His power and according to His will and for His purposes. And secondly, God is eternal. Again, we've already stressed that quite a bit, but I just want to put some emphasis on it. What do you have? Own, possess, whatever, experience, anything. That's eternal. Now, the point I'm trying to make is that that's a hard concept for us to get our minds around because we have nothing to relate it to. You know, I heard somebody say years ago, when you, when you buy a new car, buy one that you're going to like when it's old. Because the whole point is, <laughs> it, it may be impressive when it rolls off the lot, but it's not going to stay that way. It's not going to keep the, the new car smell. I mean, you can buy stuff to try to put that back in there, but it's, it's not going to stay there. And it's got to... Uh, even the stuff you buy, I mean, it's got to be able to override all of the uh, the spills and, and getting sick in there and all of that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, I mean, if you got kids, you, you know what I'm talking about. Everything gets old. Everything degenerates, including us. So sometimes, you know, people act like they're going to live forever, and we, we, we talk about that. You know, he thinks he's going to live forever. That's almost true sometimes. And people think they're invincible. That's usually when you're younger, uh, you, you start getting over that kind of, uh, the, the older you get, even, even if you don't know the Lord. I mean, you know, because uh, the truth, at least in that sense, the truth prevails. It makes itself known to you. But God is eternal. So again, at this point, when everything else is being brought into being, He, he already is. And that's why later, we'll see, Lord willing, as we move uh, through, uh, through the Scripture. In fact, well, it shouldn't be long, really, because we'll, we'll, we're not, uh, whether or not we'll go on to Exodus, I don't know. But we're going we're gonna to see God's name, uh, even early on in Genesis, the name that He gives to Moses in Exodus. And that, that's the part of the concept behind it. I am 
is, is the idea that he just is always, perpetually. He never, it's not that he was or will be, but he is. And it doesn't matter what point you're referencing. You mean 50 years ago, God is. 3,000 years ago, God is. 200 million whatever years ago, or, or however you want to measure out the time, back into eternity past, even before creation, before all thing, everything else came into being, God is, and God is all the way through the future. He is being at all times. For Him, you now we're looking at the starting point here, but for Him there's no starting point. And again, that's, that's part of the point John is making in John 1.1 about Jesus. There's no starting point for Him because when everything else was being brought into being, He already was. And in fact, He's the one that brought everything else into being. So God is unique and God is eternal and God is the Creator of everything. Again, as I said earlier, He's not, the, he's not a part of creation God is not a part of creation. Creation is not God. Uh, we were talking earlier about the Star Wars movies, and, and uh, you know, they're fun. Um, on the downside, I guess, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the thinking, the, the, what we would call worldview that's communicated in the, in the fun movies, you know, just in a, in a light way, um, a, a lot of those concepts are actually held by people seriously um, out in the world, unbelievers. You know, the, the, the whole idea, you know, like in, the, in Star Wars, I mean, of course, they use the, in the movies, they use the term force. And when you, when you die, you just kind of, I was trying to remember a specific quote. I think it was Yoda. I can't remember it. But anyway, the, the idea is that you, you just you become part of the force, more or less. And a lot of people believe that. They just think God is just kind of uh, everything um, or, or it's at least this energy that, that um, governs everything and, and you're just energy um, for, a, for a period of time trapped in this body and when you die, you're going to be liberated, as it were, set free and, and you're going to just kind of um, meld back into the cosmic energy out there. That's exciting, isn't it? I know, that sounds good. Well, God's not part of creation, and creation is not part of Him. He is the Creator. The Creator. He transcends all else. Now, and then fourth, here's the fourth thing. God is Trinity. We refer to Him often as the Triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as I said a moment ago, sometimes the, the Son is referred, capital S-O-N, the Son, Jesus, is sometimes referred to as the Word, like we have in John 1.1. 1, 1. So Father, Son, our Word, Father, the Word, the Eternal Word, and the Holy Spirit. Is the doctrine of the Trinity taught in Genesis 1... Um, you know, I already said Moses doesn't exactly introduce God or explain God or anything like that. He just says, in the beginning, God. And he goes on with the assumption that God is. He goes on to talk about what God has done. Why am I bringing up the Trinity when here we are in first chapter of Genesis and we're only looking at the first um, 
few verses because I think the Trinity is found in the first few verses. Again, it's not the, the doctrine of the Trinity was was uh, is is not taught explicitly here, uh, but I think the truth is here. The truth of it's here. It's just that Moses didn't didn't uh, probably didn't understand it. Number one, and number number two, he didn't he, even if he did, he didn't take the time to sit down and say, okay, here's let me explain to you about the what I know about the Godhead and the the, tri, the triunity of God. In fact, sometimes we're criticized for believing it because people say the doctrine of the Trinity is not even in the Bible. You know, the, the Trinity is not a word that comes from the Bible. Well, that's true, and it's true that the doctrine of the Trinity developed over time. And basically what we mean by that is that men had to ponder it, ponder the truth of Scripture, and think about how to understand it and how to articulate it. So the doctrine of the Trinity as we talk about it today was something that developed over time when, when um, you know, men uh, and women of God... Um, articulated it. So yes, the, the development of the doctrine, the teaching developed, uh, the, uh, the teaching rather developed over time, but the truth of it, I think is clearly taught in the Scripture. And not only that, but uh, as I said a moment ago, is at least hinted at right here in the opening verses of the Bible. So for example, God. And you know, uh, if you read much in the New Testament, that often God uh, the Father is referred to uh, when, when there's a distinction made. God the Father is just referred to as God, and then Jesus as the Son or the Word, and then the Holy Spirit. So there you have God, God the Father. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So there you have the Holy Spirit in verse 2. And then in verse 3, and this is going to be repeated several times because this is how God created. And God said. Now you know why I put 3a on the, on the Scripture text for today, right? Genesis 1, 1 through 3a. Because we, we, we needed to get to that. And God said. Why? Because that's the Word of God. John 1, 1, he says, In the, in the beginning was the Word. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about this beginning... And this Word, God spoke. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In other words, here God is expressing Himself. Expressing His will. His will, His desire, His good pleasure comes to expression. In fact, in a very tangible way. As things begin to pop into being at the commandment of God. So, there's the Trinity. God the Father created the heavens and the earth. God the Holy Spirit, verse 2, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God the Son, or the eternal Word of God, verse 3, and God said. Now, close with this final thing here. And this is a marvelous truth. I mean, we, we wouldn't be talking about any of this except for this reason. God has spoken. 
God has spoken. He has made Himself known. He has declared Himself. In creation, John Piper likes to say, God decided to go public with His glory. And I think that's a good way to think about it because He did not create out of need. You know, had to, to feel some need. There was something lacking. He needed to, whatever. He needed to create. No, He didn't need to. He chose to. And He did that by speaking all of creation into existence. So we need to make this distinction. Creation is not divine. Creation is not God. But it is an expression of God's goodness, of God's power, of God's will, His good pleasure. Creation is is an expression of God's good pleasure. That's why we're going to see the words repeated. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. Or after He creates man, God saw that it was very good. What what is it that's good? Is it just the creation? Well, yes, the, He created it as good, but I think more the idea there is His His good pleasure has come to expression. Again, in a very tangible way. He spoke things into existence. So God has chosen to express Himself. He has declared His glory in His creation, in His works. So you get to Psalm 19, for example, says the heavens declare the glory of God firmament, His power. In other words, all, all that He's created are screaming the message that God is great, that God is, and that He's great. And He's also spoken in the form of His written Word, which we have here before us. So, I would say the, the very account that we're looking at here of God speaking is God speaking. In other words, this written account is God's Word. So the very written account that we're looking here to, the, to, to learn about the origin of all things and the very account of God speaking, expressing Himself, is God expressing Himself in written form. God chose to make Himself known. And He chose to make known to us that He is the only true God. And that in the beginning, because He is the only true God, uh, He has no beginning. And so in the beginning, when everything else came into existence, He already existed because He has always existed and there never was a time in which He was not. 
And in fact, as we're learning here, not only was He there, but He's the one who brought all things into existence by His own power and according to His own good pleasure, out of His own grace. Grace. And of course, we learn more about that, don't we, as we move through the Bible. Would you stand, please? And we'll be dismissed. I'll submit this to you. And you may think, you know, you're... Probably nobody in here does, but possibly. You may think, you know, you're assuming too much. But I'll say this. I do assume that everything we're looking at here is true. There are a lot of reasons for that. um, That we don't have time to go into this morning, obviously. Um, But this is the true. The the, the Bible... the God, rather, that the Bible declares to be the one true living God is the one true and living God. He's the only one. He's the only one worthy of our devotion. The only one who can deliver us from sin. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we do thank You for these truths. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, grant to us, we pray, understanding uh, as we move along. We're reading some things that are uh, very familiar to us because we've looked at them many times. But, Lord, that doesn't mean we, we've grasped everything there that, uh, that there is to grasp. It doesn't mean that our understanding is, is where it should be. So we're asking, Father, by Your Spirit, that You give to us understanding of these things so that we may have a, a right understanding of You and Your will for us. And so that we may live this life just as we were intended to do for Your honor and glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.